praise or well good evening Kensington temple is good to be back once again at the five o'clock service i don't think i've been here for for quite a while probably about two or two and a half years now um uh, that i've been at the five o'clock service. but it's good to be here with you tonight ministering to you at the request of um pastor bruce atkinson amen uh who is on holiday uh he's uh, asked me to come and stand in for him and take the next uh um uh, verses uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, continue the teaching series on the Sermon on the Mount. So, and that's what we're going to do uh, this evening. Well, for those who do not know me, my name is Praise Olatono. I pastor one of Katie's satellite churches in Walthamstow. I am one of Pastor Collins' 12, and um, it's good to be here with you this evening. I would ask you to please excuse my voice. My voice is cracking a little bit uh, because I've been doing some screaming and praying and preaching. All throughout the week, I was here last night um, preaching at the, at the uh, All Nations uh, Praise. I was here last week, Sunday at the 9 o'clock and 11, preaching. And uh, so on Wednesday, I was also here doing the prayer meeting last week, Wednesday. So my voice is a bit um, not unresponsive. But I think um, we'll get by this evening. Amen. So please excuse my voice. I'm not trying to be like um, uh, the Godfather or somebody. No. It's just that my, you know, I've been on a diet of, um, of ginger and honey and hot water and lemon. And it seems to be working. Uh, yesterday evening, I almost was not able to speak. But thank God that I'm able to speak a little bit better tonight. Amen. All right. If you've got your Bibles, please go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I want to look at um, uh, verse 16 to 18, wherever we can get to uh, tonight. Uh, Pastor Bruce has graciously said, praise, take your time. Uh, it's a teaching series. Whatever you can do, uh, just, just you know, I'll come back and continue. So I want to look tonight at three verses in this meeting and see uh, how far we can go. Amen. Right. Verse 16 of uh, Matthew chapter 6. Moreover, when you fast, do not, like, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I, I want to continue in the, in the tradition, if I may use that word, of, the, of this teaching series where everything is put in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. As uh, Pastor Bruce has explained that the continuation of, of chapter 6 of, um, of, um, of this teaching is based on chapter 5 where Jesus Christ was talking about doing the Sermon on the Mount and talking to us about the blessedness, the blessedness, the blessedness of those people who have the attitudes of the kingdom. And so in continuation, he began to explain and to expand some of those things that he's put in the Sermon on the Mount. And then in talking about righteousness that comes from the heart and not external righteousness. Not like the, the, the how many hallelujahs I say in, in church on Sunday, but what is really in my heart. When Samuel went to anoint one of the sons of Jesse, and he, he came across Eliab, the first son of Jesse. Uh, he thought, oh, this is the Lord's anointed. And God said, no, I have rejected him. He's not the one. And God said to Samuel, you humans, you look on the outward, but I, God, I look on the inside. 
In Psalm 51, uh, David was praying to God in Psalm 51. was saying, uh, uh, cleanse me from my iniquity. He, he said, God desires truth in the inward part. God desires truth in the inward part. God wants to see what's in our heart. Not necessarily what we do. The Bible also says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I know that we think a lot of people preach and say that uh, what, does, what that verse means is that we become what we think. Yes, it may be so. That may be, they may be right. But what the Bible is really saying in that particular verse is that you may be saying something and you may be acting in a particular way, but the, your true self is the one on the inside of you. The way you think on the inside is the way you really are. I may be smiling at you this evening, but I may have thoughts of violence against you. I may show that I'm offering you a hand of peace, but on the inside of me, my heart is planning evil against you. The Bible says in that verse, as I am thinking, the way I am thinking, that's who I'm, I, I am really. That's, that's who I am. Because it's what I'm thinking on the inside that will probably, probably manifest later on in my life because the violence, if it's not curbed, will still speak out. So as I think in myself, so I am. And here, Jesus is wanting to show the people listening to him that we have, we've turned um, the, the, the worship of God into something that is external, into rituals, into things that don't, don't count. But Jesus was trying to say to them here, no, God is paying more attention into what is in your heart. God cares more about what is in your heart. And that's why the Bible says we must guard our hearts with all diligence. Because out of our hearts proceeds the issues of life. The Bible says that the, the, the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. And so that's why our heart is of great concern to God. And God wants us to pay attention to the things that are inside us than the things that we do on the outside. And so here in this passage... Jesus was saying to them, and a couple of things that we want to highlight in these three verses. Number one, Jesus said, moreover, when you fast, which means fasting is something that we must do as believers. When you, you fast, not if you fast. When you, take, when you decide to fast or when you are led to fast, that's a way that you must do your fasting. Amen. A lot of people are saying, is fasting still relevant to us in the New Testament? Well, we shouldn't argue about that. We shouldn't write the theological books about that or write, you know, theses about that. We should just look at the life of Jesus. Did he fast? Oh, yes, he did. And there was a time that uh, some, some uh, John the Baptist uh, followers came to him. The disciples of John the Baptist came to him and said, why is it that we fast often and your disciples don't fast? And he said to them, well, because the bridegroom is still here. If the bridegroom is still here, then those people who are in his party, those, the, the bridegroom friends, they're not supposed to be fasting, they're supposed to be feasting. And then he said to them, but there's going to be a time when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. So fasting is a, as an important part of our spiritual growth and spiritual development. If we are going to grow as Christians, we must include fasting in our lifestyle, in our Christian lifestyle. But we have to be very careful the kind of fast we participate in. Amen. So he said to them, when you fast, do not be like hypocrites. 
Do not be like hypocrites with, that, that go about with a sad countenance. So every time they are fasting, these hypocrites, that is, those people Jesus Christ was referring to here, when they are fasting, you know they are fasting. What is the matter with you? Can't you see? I am fasting. This is the seventh day of my dry fast. I'm really fasting. Are you fasting? No, I can see you are not fasting. All of you here, you are not fasting. You are looking too posh to be fasting. I am fasting. They go about with a sound countenance. And this is real. For Jesus Christ to have, you know, spoken about this openly and speak to them and said, no, this is hypocritical. This is not the kind of fast that gets God's attention. You are drawing attention to yourself and therefore when you fast this way, you have gotten your reward. That's your reward. Men's attention is your reward. Your fasting is not going beyond the ceiling. Amen. And Jesus says, why do you want to afflict your body for such things that makes no sense? That has no meaning, no divine benefit, no sacred blessing coming upon you. You're just going about to attract attention. All right then, if you want attention, that's your reward. Because that's not the kind of fast that God is talking about. Hallelujah. He said, for they, they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly. Assuredly means without any doubt. Without any doubt at all. This is what they are going to get. They are going to get the accolade of men, and that is going to be their reward. But then he said to them, but you. He says, this, let, me, let me bring a distinction here. The hypocrites, they fast this way. When they fast, the hypocrites, this is how they behave. They go about in this manner. They go about in that manner. They disfigure their faces. They do all this kind of stuff. But you, but you that are listening to me, but you who are my disciples, but you who are my followers, but you who believe in me, but you who follow me, but you who believe in my word, when you fast, it has to be different. Can I hear you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. He said to them, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Amen. Anoint your head and wash your face. Now in Dr. Ati Kendu's book on fasting, which um, uh, Pastor Bruce has been using for this teaching, uh, Dr. Ati Kendu was saying that this has nothing to do with the kind of anointing that we see in James. Where James says, if any one of you is sick, let them anoint him with oil or how with oil. No. This, is, and this anointing is probably your daily uh, routine of how you keep yourself clean. Amen. Because we, we, if we, read in the, we read in the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, you see places where when people are fasting, they put on sackcloth and they put ashes on their heads. Sometimes they put dust on their head as a sign of remorse, as a sign of repentance. It's not meant to be a religious thing. But apparently, these particular people in the times of Jesus, they've taken this outward sign of genuine internal repentance. They've turned it into something that is meant to make them look great. Make them look super spiritual. Super turbocharged spiritual. 
so that when people see, see them where i come from in nigeria such people will call them jim jim brothers or jim jim sisters because everywhere they go they're always going spiritual jim 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 so we call them jim jim brothers and sisters or we call them spere that they are so spiritual they are they're almost more spiritual than the holy spirit so we call them spere people amen but jesus says that should not be our our case it should not be what we participate in but we when we fast but you my followers but you that believe in me when you fast anoint your head wash your face look clean amen because what is going on in your life right now is on the inside and it's not on the outside and then he said in verse 18 so that you do not appear to men to be fasting but to your father so our fasting here as far as jesus christ uh, is teach, teaching is concerned our fasting must be directed towards god and not towards men because it's him and from him that we want our reward to come from whatever the reason you've chosen to take up a fast whatever the reason whatever the condition whatever the situation that is uh, that is uh, uh, prompting you to fast your fasting and must be directed towards god and as new testament believers we also know that fasting does not stand alone amen fasting does not stand alone when you fast and you are not praying uh, um, please forgive me but i have to tell you the truth you are probably on hunger strike amen you are probably on hunger strike fasting must include praying you must include you must talk to god there must be a reason why you are fasting and if you are afflicting your body you are afflicting your soul uh you are depriving yourself of your necessary food of your necessary pleasure then there must be a reason and you need to tell god the reason why you are doing what you are doing can i hear you say amen and also from this uh, past three verses that we've read we can see that jesus christ is saying fasting must be hidden fasting must be hidden amen and there are there are probably two exceptions to this amen there are probably two exceptions to this number one is if it's a corporate fasting for example if pastor Collins says comes up on, on this platform and says Kensington temple God is leading us to do a fast we are all going to fast for the next seven days that is the way the Holy Spirit is leading us then that's a corporate fast and probably he says every day for the next seven days we must also come to pray to break our fast so we know all of us or most of us that will be coming for prayer at seven o'clock in the evening for the next seven days we are also joined together in the corporate fasting so that's one exception the second exception that i can think of is probably between husband and wife there's no way you can fast and your wife will not know or, or you'll be fasting and your husband will not know. In fact, Paul says that when we fast in the New Testament, that husbands and wives should separate, should not have their conjugal uh, relationships at that time. But immediately you finish your fasting, come together again so that the devil will not have an occasion to tempt you. So those are the two exceptions I can see where fasting may not be private. You may have to share it with somebody or you may know that in a church congregation we are all fasting together but apart from those two situations fasting has to be hidden 
Why? Because Jesus Christ said, your father who is in the secret is the one you are fasting to. Amen. Okay. Now also we know that fasting must be holy. I once had a story. I can't remember the details very well. But uh, the story goes this way. Uh, two men sat together on an airplane. They were flying from one place to the other. And um, the stewards brought food uh, to them. And the first man said, oh, no, I'm not eating. The steward looked at the second man and said, sir, would you like something? So, no, I'm not eating. And so the steward went away. And the first man turned to the second man and said, why are you not eating? The food is quite nice. I said, no, I'm not eating. I'm fasting. Oh, the second man said, oh, you're fasting. Are you a Christian? I said, no, I am a Satanist. Oh, yes. I am a Satanist. Now, in our, in our, in our, in our, in the context of that we're speaking of tonight, that's an unholy fast. For us as Christians, our fasting must be holy. Amen. Now, I cannot be fasting that, um, this, this brother sitting in front of me has just bought a new, brand new 7 series BMW. Now, I'm the pastor, and I don't have a car, so I'm fasting to God that God should tell him to give me his car. Now, that would be an unholy fast. I need to go fast and say, God, that bless this brother, bless me too. Amen. Not to fast for him to give me his car. That would be an unholy fast. Now, how do we know a fast that is holy? Simply, it's a fast that is led by the Holy Spirit. Dr. Atikendu makes it clear in his book that fasting should not be mechanical. In fact, he said he doesn't believe in fasting or, or on, a, on, a, you know, on a particular day of the week. Oh, on Tuesday of every week, I will fast. But he says he's not condemning it. Amen. You may have a revelation that God says to you, for the next three years, you need to fast every Friday. And if that is the case, then that fast is being led by the Holy Spirit anyway. So it's a holy fast. But where people just fast mechanically, uh, you know, and uh, that's why people fast and they don't pray. And they don't even talk to God about, about what they are fasting about. So our fasting must be holy. That is, it must be led by the Holy Spirit. Something else that we must know about fasting is that fasting must be mixed with faith. You must fast in faith there's nothing we require from god as christians as believers that does not require faith because faith is what moves mountains amen faith is what jesus christ said if you have faith like a mustard seed you can say to this mountain be removed be cast into the sea and if you don't doubt in your heart it will move faith moves mountains when we combine faith with prayer and with fasting we are ready for an explosion especially if it is if it is a fast that is led by the holy spirit so when can we fast there are so many examples in the old testament about when to fast in fact there are books that have been written on different ways of fasting or different kinds of fast in the old testament some people talk about the daniel fast some people talk about um uh, Nehemiah fast, Ezra fast, Esther fast, Hezekiah fast, Joel fast, and the Daniel fast. Uh, people are trying to teach us principles about what led to these people fasting, why they fasted, and what they got out of the fasting. 
But for us as new believers, we must keep to the biblical teachings of Jesus in order for us not to go into religion when we are fasting. Amen. In fact, any fast where you deny yourself your necessary pleasure is a fantastic holy fast. I remember a couple of, a couple of years ago when I was still on staff and I was the dean of students in the Bible school. Uh, I was taking Bible school students uh, on an encounter, on a weekend encounter. And I was asking the Lord, Lord, what kind of fast should I do for this encounter? And the Lord said to me, I want you to stay off coffee. And I thought, Lord, can you please change your mind? Because I love my coffee. I'm fasting coffee right now because of my, my voice. When I came upstairs today, the, the, the coffee was on and it was smelling so nice, I was tempted. But I knew if I drank a cup of coffee, I probably would not be able to speak tonight. So I had to fast. Coffee. Amen. And so the Lord said to me, I want you to stay off coffee throughout the encounter. Now, coffee is something that gives me pleasure. I love and I enjoy coffee, but that was what God wanted me to do. A fast could be that God says to you, the Holy Spirit says to you, stay off newspaper, stay off television, just focus on the Bible. Spend time with me. And so that's why, in order for us to have fasting that is effective and holy, it must be led by the Holy Spirit. And it also must be mixed with faith. Hallelujah. Now, so when are those times in our lives that we may want to seek God's face through fasting? One, when I say great burden, when we have a great burden. Last week, uh, 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 Sunday last week, I was sharing here about how I had a great burden to pray. Uh, sorry, Wednesday, last week, Wednesday, I was sharing with the, with the, in the prayer meeting how I had a very, very great burden to pray for one of my cousins some years back when I was still in Nigeria. The burden came upon me in the morning to pray for my cousin who then was working in Port Harcourt in Nigeria. And I began to pray and I began to pray and I began to pray. The burden would not lift. So I asked somebody to join, my brother-in-law to join with me. We prayed the prayer of agreement. The burden still will not lift. And so I had to go into praying in tongues. And I prayed for almost about one and a half hours before the burden was lifted. In such, at such a time, if the burden did not lift at about one and a half hours of praying, then I probably would have had to say, God, I'm going to, say, I'm going to join fasting to this. When we have a great burden in our, in our lives, when you are burdened for, with, about something, and especially when it's not clear about what the burden is, you just know as a Christian that something within you that is like a burden, you cannot place your finger on it, or even if you can place your finger on it, that might be a very good time to fast, to seek God's face as to how to deal with that kind of situation. Again, sometimes we as Christians... Not that this is how we should live our Christian life, but it does happen. Either because of um, immaturity or we are not growing properly in the Lord, we sometimes, especially those of us who are charismatics and Pentecostals, we like to feel the presence of God. When we're in the presence of God and the anointing of God is present and the presence of God is present, we love the goose pimples that comes upon us. That's why we are called the holy rollers and the happy clappers. And we love it. I'm a happy clappy. I'm very happy clappy. I don't mind people calling me happy clappy and holy roller. 
when the, when the anointing of God comes upon you and joy fills you and you are laughing and you are rolling, it is fantastic. The problem with that and the danger with that is that it becomes religion too. We just laugh and clap and dance and jump. And when we get up from the floor, we don't do anything with the anointing. We don't go out there preaching to the lost. We don't go out there, you know, witnessing to people. We don't go to hospital to pray for the sick. We just hold in and hold back the anointing that is in you that God has put upon you. When God hits you with his word of glory and you fall to the ground and he anoints you, it's for a reason. God will never do anything without a purpose, without a reason. And so when we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we, we take in the joy of the Lord and we laugh and we roll and we clap and we dance and we run around and we know we are anointed, we've been in the presence of God, we can feel after God, it's for a reason. It's for a reason. And sometimes because we are so used to that, to that so-called feeling and then we come to a time in our lives when we don't feel God. I just don't think I can feel God around me. And please understand I'm saying that we are not supposed to live our Christian lives by feelings. Amen. We are not to be led by our feelings. We are to be led by the Holy Spirit. But there may come a time in our lives, maybe we've allowed too many days gone by without really doing some serious praying, without really doing some serious studying of the scriptures, without, you know, we've avoided fellowship, and it's like the presence of God has departed. We cannot feel after God. That may be a good time to seek God in fasting. It may be God trying to demonstrate something, catch your attention, or draw your attention to something. That may be, I'm not asking us to, fi- to fast so that we can get back the feeling. No. If it's only a baby Christian that will live his or her Christian life through feelings. Our feelings are alright. God gave us our feelings. Amen. But we are not meant to be led by our feelings. Because our feelings are like, uh, and our emotions are like the, 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 the warning lights on your dashboard in your car. They warn you that something is wrong or something is right. When the lights are not on, everything is working properly. When the light comes on, something is wrong. You need to pay attention to this. When I feel, if I feel hot right now, that means that I'm not taking, there's no, not, you know, air is not flowing in this place. Amen. If I'm feeling too cold, then maybe the, 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 the cooling system is, is, not, is, not, is working too much and I need, need somebody to turn it down. So our feelings are fantastic, but we are not meant to be led by our feelings. And I'll give you an example. I, I may come, let's just take for example, I came in this, this evening and I say hello to this sister sitting in the front and probably she didn't hear me properly and she walked off and then I started feeling rejected. She's just rejected him. I feel rejected. But in her heart, she has not rejected me. She just did not hear me say hello. And that's how our feelings may sometimes lead us astray. And that's why as a Christian, you cannot depend on your feelings to get you through your Christian life. Amen. You must depend on the Holy Spirit. Amen. But sometimes also, probably as a baby Christian, even as a, as, a, as, a, as a grown Christian, if I may use the word, as a matured Christian, you may sense or feel that God is not, you're not, you're not, it's like you're not communing with the Holy Spirit the way you used to. That may be a time to go into fasting, to seek God and say, Lord, is something wrong on the inside of me? Is something wrong? Lord, can you please show me what is happening around me? Amen. 
Another time to see God's face is when we are under threat. When we feel the threat of the enemy against us. When we face danger. For example, in the book of Esther, Esther faced danger. In fact, the whole children of Israel were about to be annihilated by, 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 by um, Haman. And so Esther said uh, to, to Mordecai, go and call everybody. Call all the Jews. Let them fast for me for three days. Then I will go into the king and I will seek the king's uh, 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 mercy for the people. And so that's a time to fast. When we feel that we are facing danger, when the nation is facing danger, then it's a time to fast. I think the Christian world should fast and pray. And thank God for all the prayer meetings that are going on, the, the, the public prayer meetings that are going on in London today, in England today, the stadiums, prayers, and so on. But my challenge with those kind of gatherings and prayer and prayer meetings is that it's politicized. I don't believe that we should call a prayer meeting, a national day of prayer, and invite Boris Johnson to come. What does he know about prayer? What, what, what does that mean? We, we, we cannot politicize prayer. Prayer is sacred. Prayer is not political. We can stand together as Christians, pray, seek God's face, get a word for Boris and invite him to a meeting and say, Thus said the Lord. And if we are marching in a carnival, a Christian carnival, we can say, Hey, Boris, come. Come and match with us. The Christians are matching. We are doing a 50 million match in London and we want you to come. That is absolutely fantastic. But when we call a national day of fasting and prayer in a stadium, there's no, Boris Johnson has no business being in our prayer meeting. He cannot address us. He has nothing to say to us. In fact, I may not attend a prayer meeting that is called by Christians in this nation that is to be addressed by the Archbishop of Canterbury. No offense to the, to the Church of England. I'm talking about an individual. I'm not talking about the good people who go to those churches every day, who gave us, who gave me my Christian heritage that I come from Africa with. My parents were faithful Anglicans for the re throughout their lives. And I, I, I give God glory for my Anglican background. I'm not knocking the people there. I'm knocking the institution. Amen. And so we must never politicize prayer and fasting. We must never make it into a religion. We must understand that for Jesus to mention fasting, it's a serious matter. And we must take it seriously. Amen. I, let's move on. Amen. Praise God. Otherwise, I'll be in trouble. Also, we can decide to fast when we're seeking answers. When we are seeking answers, uh, we want solutions to problems in our lives, challenges in our lives, we can fast. And say, Lord, we are seeking to receive from you concerning this situation, what shall we do? Or whenever we are embarking on a great venture, on an important assignment, and we don't really know how, how it will go. You know, what, 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 we, what will happen is a time to seek God's face in fasting and in prayer for him to, to put that confidence in us, for him to release his presence upon us, for him to give us that assurance of his presence again for us to know, yes, we are going in the right direction. When we want answers, when we want revelation, when we want the light of God to shine, we can fast and ask him, to give us answers. 
Hallelujah. Also, when we are in need of God's divine ability, his divine power. An example that, that springs to my mind that you may remember was when uh, a man brought his son to Jesus for, for, the, for the disciples to cast out a demon out of him. And they couldn't. And the man, and they, they came to Jesus and Jesus Christ said, oh, bring the son. And he, he dealt with the devil in the, in the young man. And after they left, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, why can we not? Why couldn't we cast out the devil? And Jesus Christ said to them, well, in order to be able to exercise this kind of power and authority over demons, you needed to have fasted and prayed. This kind does not go except through fasting and through prayer. So when we are seeking God for divine explosion of his power, there's a need for us to fast. We never go on missions without fasting. Whether it's mission to Walthamstow or mission to Bradford or mission to Mali, we never go on missions without fasting. Amen. So when we're seeking God's power to exercise, to exercise his divine ability through us or on our behalf, it's a time to seek God in, in fasting. In fact, Jesus Christ, before he began his ministry, before he stepped out to, begin, to, to start his ministry, he fasted for 40 days. Hallelujah. So at the beginning of any venture, when you're trying to take a decision, a, 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 a serious decision, it's time to seek God's face. Amen. Let me begin to wind up. I want to particularly pick up on two occasions in the, in the Old Testament when people fasted and prayed. Because when you look at the book of Esther, Esther just said to Mordecai, call the people to fast for me and i also and my mates will fast but we're not really told what kind of prayer she prayed what kind of prayer she prayed but there are other examples in the bible where we actually saw people fasting and the kind of prayer that they prayed hallelujah now please go with me to uh, the book of second chronicles chapter 20 most of you are very, very familiar with this story in Second Chronicles, the story of Ezekiah. Second Chronicles uh, 20, 20 is a very, very, very popular scripture. But that's not where we are going. Second Chronicles 20. And I want to read from verse 1 to, to uh, onwards, probably to 4. It happened after this that the people of Moab... The people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Hazon Tamar, which is Engedi. And Jehoshaphat feared. There are some times when situations come against us in our lives and fear steps in. And the problem with fear in the life of a disciple or in the life of a believer is that when fear comes into you, faith goes out. Because fear and faith cannot dwell together. Fear will not allow you to trust God enough to step out of the boat like Peter did. And so we must first conquer fear. And one of the ways that we can deal with fear in our lives is to seek God's face in the time of need and to battle that fear out of our lives through fasting. Amen. Let's continue reading. The Bible says in verse 3, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. 
The second thing I want to point out to you here is that when you want to fast, you must set your face to seek the Lord. Which means you are not distracted. Now, I, I, I say to people, and this is not a doctrine, it's, not, it's just what I found to be very, very effective in my own life. I prefer to do my fastings on Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays because I'm focused. Especially when I was walking in the marketplace. Amen. Because when you are out there working in the marketplace, unless you have developed yourself in that discipline, amen, unless you are so very well developed, you, could, you know when, how to balance your work life and your fasting life together that you are not, you know, you are, you are not about to, to faint. Amen. If you are involved in, in, in manual labor, in your workplace, Monday to Friday, it may not be a good time to fast from, from morning till the evening. Because you get tired easily and you, are, you may not be able to even read your Bible because you are so tired. So what do you do? I will say to you, take a weekend out from Friday evening when you get home until Sunday evening you are fasting. Whatever kind of fast God is, has chosen for you. Because then you can be focused, you are not distracted, you are not thinking about balancing your books, you are not thinking about serving a customer, you are not stop, you know, snapping at your customers. But I, did, I worked in the, in the banking industry in Nigeria also, and I used to fast. But we were taught properly on how to fast. There are some days that my fasting will end at 3 p.m. That's it. Because it's not how long, it's how well. It's how well. You cannot say, oh, God has not had my prayer because I, I, I broke my fast at 3 p.m. or at 1 p.m. In fact, there was a time in my life when I went seeking God's face in fasting and praying for seven days. And the first three days, I couldn't sleep at night. And God said, I didn't ask you to fast. I just told you to study the word. Amen. In fact, the third day, I went to the cafeteria holding my belly like this at 3 p.m. Because I thought, you know, I need, I need to fast. I, I just need to fast. But God was not asking me to fast. He was just asking me to seek his face and to study the word. Amen. That's why our fast, fasting that will make a difference in our lives that is directed towards God must be led by the Holy Spirit. And so here, Jehoshaphat set his face to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Now look at the kind of prayer Jehoshaphat was praying there. He was invoking the power of God. He was invoking the mighty and awesomeness of God. He was talking about God being the ruler of all nations. That means above any king that may rise up against him. He knew the kind of prayer that he needed to pray. And then as you read on, because of time, as, as you read on in that particular chapter, uh, in, uh, in the following verses, Jehoshaphat began to tell God about his covenant with Abraham. And he reminded God that God, you are the one that brought us into this land. 
you drove out you, the, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and all the Ites out of the place. But these children of Ammon and these other nations that are gathering up against us, you did not allow us to drive them out. Now look at the way they are paying us back, oh God. Will you not do something about this? And then he told God about when Solomon decided, dedicated the temple, the kind of prayer that Solomon prayed that, oh God, when we offend you or when our enemies rise up against, against us, when we come into this house and we lift up our voices to you, you will hear in heaven, you will come down, you will deliver us, and you will save us. Now, Hezekiah, being a king, is very familiar with the word of God. He's very familiar with the Torah. He was familiar with the laws, with laws of God. He knew the kind of prayer to pray. And so when we are fasting, it is important for us to go to the word of God, to go to places in the Bible that deals with the situations that, that we're going, and then combine the word of God with our fasting. And of course, we know the end of this story. The end was that God said, Hezekiah, you know what to say to me when you're fasting and when you're praying. Let me tell you one thing. You will not have to fight in this battle. Be, see, be still and see the salvation of the Lord. And of course, the enemy helped to destroy themselves by themselves. And Hezekiah and his people prospered because the Bible says that they went to the camp of the enemy when they were dead and they spoiled the camp of the enemy. In fact, they had so much treasure to carry, it took them three days to carry the treasure from the enemy. Another place I would have loved to read to you, but because of time, is the prayer of Daniel, Daniel chapter 9. Daniel said he was fasting and he was seeking God's face because he understood by the book that the time of captivity in Babylon has come to an end. 70 years has expired and he began to pray to God. First, he, he confessed the sins of the children of Israel, the sins of his fathers and his forefathers, and he began to invoke the word of God and began to say, oh God, this is who you are. This is who you are. That's nothing. And he began to pray that prayer and God answered the prayer. Can I hear you say amen? And so if we look through the teaching of Jesus, we will see that there is a basis for what he was teaching. For example, when you read Daniel chapter 10 again, you will read where Daniel was fasting and the Bible and Daniel says, I did not eat any pleasant food. I didn't anoint myself with oil. I didn't put any precious thing on my head, which means Daniel probably was looking very ragged like the hypocrites in the New Testament that Jesus was talking about. But what is the difference between Daniel not anointing himself with oil and not eating any pleasant food, so much so that he appeared to people that he was probably mourning and fasting, his heart. He was not try trying to draw attention to himself. Daniel was not trying to say, look at me. I am the super, super duper prophet. I fast daily. And I don't anoint my head with oil or anything. No. Daniel's fast was focused towards God. No wonder he got his answers. And so the tradition of not anointing with oil and looking sad like you're mourning, it was probably taken from the Old Testament time when people did, did it genuinely. When people did it because of the state that they were in, what they were going through in their hearts. No wonder uh, uh, the Bible says that we should rend our hearts and not our, our garments. That's the jewel fast. Jewel says, no, return to me. That's another thing to fast about. When we know we've gone away from God, when we know that we've disobeyed him, we can come back to him and say, Lord, I'm humbling myself through fasting. 
That's the kind of jewel fast. Return to me, says the Lord, and I will return unto you. Gather together, proclaim a fast. Sound the trumpet in Zion. Let everybody weep around the porch in the temple. Let's say, hear us, O God, forgive. We can fast in a state where uh, we know that we, needed re- re- we need repentance. And the classic case in the Bible is that of David. When David slept with, Uriah, with Bathsheba and killed Uriah, as, uh, t- uh, theologians tell us that that was when he wrote Psalm, 57, Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, wash me from my iniquities. Wash me with hyssop. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. It was a first thing that has to do with repentance coming back to God. And so tonight, I want us to go away from here knowing that fasting is important. Number one, fasting is important in our lives as Christians. Number two, fasting must be led by the Holy Spirit. Number three, fasting must be with prayer. And also, number four, we must not fast so that we can draw attention to ourselves. Rather, we must fast focusing on God. And number five, we must know the kind of prayer that we must pray when we are fasting. And you are saying to me tonight, how do I know what kind of prayer to pray when I'm fasting? I say to you, read the Bible. What are you going through in your life right now? There's nothing you are going through, no challenges you are facing that you cannot find the answer to that in the Bible. And when you find the solution to your situation in the Bible, and you, you include fasting and praying to get God's attention, when you, include, when you introduce fasting to your praying, you are supercharging your prayer. Amen. Finally, let me say to you, fasting does not manipulate God. Amen. We cannot fast in order for, for us to get God to do what we want. No, we fast in order to subdue our flesh, for our spirit to rise, for God to, to shine his face upon us, and for us to receive an answer from him, for us to hear him. The most important thing you can get from God when you are fasting is a word from him. Let him speak a word to you. Can I hear you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Let's, let's bow down our heads as we pray tonight. Amen. Well, before I pray for everybody generally, I want us to see, uh, just to make sure that if you are here tonight, that you are saved. That when the last trumpet comes, that you are not going to be one of those people that would not be in heaven with the rest of us. The Bible says that Jesus Christ came to seek and to save those who were lost. He came and died on the cross of Calvary in order for you and I to have eternal life and not to go to hell. And so as all heads are bowed this evening and all eyes are closed, I want us to pray a prayer together. It's going to be a prayer that is meant particularly for you who has not at any particular time in your life, publicly or otherwise, given your life to Jesus Christ. Please say with me, Lord Jesus. Can we say it a bit stronger? Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you tonight and I confess that I'm a sinner and I have sinned against you. I ask tonight that you forgive me all of my sins, that you come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. I commit my life into your hands.
and I ask you to take control. Please write my name in your book of life so that when I die, I may spend my eternity with you in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for answering my prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. All heads bowed and all eyes closed, please. If you are praying that prayer for the first time in your life, maybe somebody invited you here this evening, but that's the first time you are praying that prayer in your life or you are praying it publicly, then all I want you to do is to please lift up your hand and bring it down. Somebody will come and stand with you. There's a brother at the back there. God bless you, sir. You want to commit your life to Jesus. There's a sister right here also. Amen. And there's a brother there. Somebody who invited him is saying, you know, lift up your hand. So we have a sister here and a brother there. And we have the brother at the back. Is there any other person you want to give your life to Christ tonight? You want to commit to him? One more time. Anybody else? You want to give your life to Christ tonight? Hallelujah. Father, we want to thank you for the word that has been preached tonight. Thank you for your sermon on the mountain.